If you love what you hear, check out our authors Andrea Stewart and N.A. Fulton on Amazon.com, and be sure to subscribe to our Dark Romance Novels and Stories podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcast provider. Learn more about us at audioiron.com. Pirate's Desire by Andrea Stewart. Chapter 15. Corwin stared into the mirror, examining her appearance as though it were her only interest in the world. Behind the mask of her face, her thoughts whirled. Where on earth was Dora? She had been in attendance the day after Corwin had given her the note, but for two days she had been missing. Another young woman had appeared to help Corwin dress and undress. This one refused to meet Corwin's eyes or respond to her overtures of kindness or questions in any way. Small-framed, with honey-colored skin, long smooth black hair, and yellow eyes, she might have been an exotic doll for all the emotion she displayed. At the sound of a chime, Corwin rose to her feet and walked to the door. Dujols expected her to appear promptly at his dinner table every evening. She wondered if she would have another man to entertain. As she entered the private dining room she saw there was no dinner guest. Instead Dujols sat in his chair at the end of the table watching her judging every move she made until she sat across from him. She wore a grey gown, the most sedate in her closet, though the form-fitting waist and the tight bodice left little to the imagination. Silent footmen brought fish, bread, cheese, and fruit to the table along with a bottle of wine. When they left, she forced herself to eat. She must behave as if nothing in the world were wrong. Perhaps Dora had been abducted. Perhaps she had run away. Maybe she had been caught. As Corwin tried to behave as if nothing were amiss, she felt the color rush to her face. She knew in her heart that she was in mortal danger. You do not seem yourself, my lady, Dujols said. Dressed in well-tailored dove breeches, and an ivory waistcoat embroidered with silver thread, he appeared every inch the fashionable gentleman dressed for fine company. What can disturb you so? I fear my brother dead. Corwin found herself saying. In truth she had wondered if this might be the case upon occasion but she felt if Ben had died somehow she would know. Still, she had to say something to explain her behavior. What will happen if he cannot rescue me? I do not know what I will do. You will stay here? Dujols said, as though her words surprised him. Could you have considered me so cold as to return you to the streets? I cannot accept your hospitality forever, said Corwin. Did her voice betray her fear that he would never let her escape? I think perhaps I should leave you and try to make my way to England. I have lands there. An estate to manage, try as she might, she could not bring her eyes to meet his. But that is ridiculous, said Dujols. You must not even think of such a dangerous journey. Returning to his meal he said. You need a man's protection and this I will provide to you. But I cannot stay here indefinitely, protested Corwin. It is too much to ask, Dujols' brow furrowed as though she had said something puzzling. Do you think I would let you wander about this uncivilized island? Can you imagine any gentleman would return you to the sea in these dangerous waters? This is madness. When Corwin made no reply, 
he continued. You will remain here until your brother arrives or until I choose to make arrangements for you. A woman's place is to be patient. This is something you must learn. Corwin wondered how her captor could pretend such concern when his intentions were so base. Why did he maintain the pretense that he was protecting her when she was no more than his prisoner? Could it be because she would capture a higher price if men saw her as a deluded young lady of means? Was he working to ensure she played the unwitting captive well? There were wheels within wheels in this house. Nothing was what it seemed. After dinner Corwin returned to her room where she tried to read one of the few books Dujols had given her. When the maid came, she dutifully allowed herself to be undressed before the mirror, trying not to imagine that her jailer might be watching through the mirror. Once in bed, with the lights off, she stared up at the ceiling until she could stand it no longer. Then she slipped from under the blankets and began to pace in the moonlight. Where on earth was Dora? She should have returned by now. Something terrible must have happened. Corwin knew she would never outlive her guilt for putting the woman at risk if Phil came of it. She had been desperate, thinking only of herself when she gave Dora the note. But Dora was a slave. She could be killed for disobeying Dujols. What had Corwin been thinking? How cruel she had been to make such a request, a knock on Corwin's door startled her. Despite her lack of response, she saw the door handle twist and the door fall open. Dujols stood in the doorway dressed as he had been earlier in the night but for the loss of his greatcoat. Mademoiselle, since you are awake, you will please join us below. I do not feel well. With your permission, I will simply return to my bed, said Corwin, backing away. You do not have my permission to remain. You will come with me now, replied Dujols sharply. Moving into the chamber, he caught her arm in a hard hand and pulled her through the door. He ushered her down the dark stairs, through the main hall past the dining room, into his study. It was the only room alight at this evil hour. Corwin could hardly force herself to walk through the door. Dora lay naked, face down, on the floor. Her eyes were wide and staring. A rag had been stuffed in her mouth to stifle her screams. Corwin's hands flew to her face, eyes taking in the ribbons of flesh that were now Dora's back, the long wound that went from near the ear, the lake of blood that covered the floor. Then, when the clawing copper smell of Dora's blood washed over her, she started to retch. She turned back toward the door only to find Adam blocking her path. She spun to look at Dujols. I see you recognize your maid. You must tell me what task you set her. You see it cost her her life. How could you do such a thing? She did only what I asked her to do. Why punish her when the sin was all mine? Dujols moved faster than she could ever have expected. In three steps he closed the gap between them and struck her hard across the face. Corwin found the floor jumping up to meet her and the world going black as she fell. Enough. You will tell me where you sent her. He demanded as he stood over her. Corwin, looking up at him, realizing she had no defense against his rage, and no reason not to tell the truth now that Dora was dead, said. I gave her a note to give to any honest captain in Port Royal, she sat up. Her head was still swimming from the blow. You will tell me you know of was for and what it said, Dujols said as he bent down to look at her. When Corwin made no reply, he answered for her, his tone showing his annoyance. Another letter for your brother, he said tersely. You did not believe I sent the first letter as you requested. I can assure you that I did. I do not believe you, said Corwin. If Ben knew where to find me, he would have been here by now or sent word. Perhaps he is at sea, or dead, or not as fond of you as he should be said Dujols, accepting her answer. He moved toward Dora's body, then reached down into the pool of her blood to pick up a riding crop, 
I know only that he has not come and that I am tired of waiting for him to arrive. So you intend to sell me? Corwin felt the blood drain from her face. But of course. What other use is there for an idiot girl like you but to sell you the man who will pay for the honor of making you his mistress? Replied Dujols. Snapping the riding crop against his leg he watched her expression. You are a fiend, Dujols smiled. If I were not certain you could command a very high price. I would cut your tongue out of your mouth and use you for my own purposes. Eventually I would flay you alive for the time and trouble you have cost me. Corwin could not believe her ears. Now, you will begin by telling me who captained the ship you came here in. The riding crop snapped in the air, making Corwin jump. I told you. I do not know. I was kept in the hold, said Corwin. Should she tell the truth? Would he return her to Devon Black or to the man he had sold her to? If she told you Joel's about Devon Black, maybe he would kill her for lying to him. Maybe, if he knew she were not a virgin, he would think she could not command a good price. And his ship? What was her name? Inquired Dujols, I swear I do not know, if I knew, I would tell you. Why should I lie? Dujols did not reply for a moment. I have wondered that. This is something I would very much like to know. Now, the man is so old you too? What was his name? I never knew it. I escaped before I found out. Said Corwin. That at least was true. Now let us find out if you are telling me the truth. Said Dujols. Corwin. When she was permitted at last to stumble up the stairs to her bed, bore a dozen welts from Dujol's whip on her back and legs. But her secrets remained untold. She was fortunate, Dujol's had informed her curtly, that an English woman was worth far more without scars. Hours later, racked by pain, Corwin heard her bedroom door open. Hurting too much to turn her head, she prayed that it was not Dujol's. She did not think she could bear another assault. Pretending to be asleep, she heard the door close and a moment later felt her bloodied nightdress lifted away from her skin, then someone gently smoothed a foul-smelling unguent upon her wounds. The relief was so intense that she started to cry. By the time the procedure was complete she was fast asleep, the next morning she discovered a crude metal container that held more of the ointment on her bedside table. As she applied it, she wondered who her benefactor could be. That color makes your skin look like candle wax. As I did not choose this color, I can hardly take credit for what it does to my appearance. You instructed me to wear the yellow gown and I obeyed, said Corwin. Did you enjoy my whip so much that you wished to feel it again? Dujols asked as he stood. It had been five days since he had beaten her and the thin rips in her skin were only now closing, the black bruises fading to purple and gold. Before Corwin could make a reply, Adam admitted a muscular middle-aged Spaniard to the room. Senor Lucas? I trust your business input went well today, said Dujols coming around the table to take the square hand offered by the sugar plantation owner. The options have always the highest cost so I prefer to buy my slaves by the boat. A new 100 men will do when they will all be dead in a couple of years. Is it not so? Dujols gestured at Corwin. May I present Corwin Tyler Chase, an English lady who fell into the hands of pirates some months ago. I have taken it upon myself to provide her with a new home. The pirates are always very hard on their women, remarked Senior Lucas, his eyes narrowing. His contemplation of Corwin had not ceased since his arrival. They are only on those they do not mean to ransom, replied Dujols. Offering his guest a cheroot, he too contemplated the girl before them. Can you prove that this woman is an English lady? queried Senior Lucas suspiciously. You could dress any woman so. 
Nodding his assent, Dujols ordered Corwin to pour their guest some wine. His eyes were cold and iron-hard as they dared her to refuse. Corwin, heart beating wildly in her chest, moved to the silver tray resting on a nearby table. She poured a large amount of the ruby liquid into the crystal glass. Demur, eyes lowered, she moved toward the obviously skeptical purchaser. Without a word she threw the wine in his face. Senior Lucas leapt to his feet, livid with rage, wine crawling down his face to settle in the cream-colored collar of his fine shirt. You will apologize to Senor Lucas, said Dujols. Corwin spun to face him, emerald eyes flashing with defiance. You can go straight to hell, she spat. In a moment she was gone, fleeing up the stairs and into her room. Soon thereafter Adam broke through her door. Without a word he dragged her from the bed where she sat fully dressed. Using a long curved blade he sliced the yellow gown from neck to hem. He ripped the dress from her and locked her arms behind her back. When she would have knelt to cover his nakedness, he forced her to stand upright and face the mirror. Too frightened to scream, Corwin looked at herself in the mirror. Humiliation made her flush from head to toe. After what seemed a very great length of time, Dujols opened the door of her bedroom. With a gesture he indicated that Adam should free her and leave the room. You made quite an impression. Senior Lucas has offered the most outrageous sum. Your offended dignity was most appealing. Dujols made no effort to hide his amusement. He finds it easy to believe you are an innocent. I think he believes you will soon him for rescuing you. You are contemptible, said Corwin. She lay where she had fallen, face buried in the counterpane of the bed. Exhausted, angry, afraid, she wished Dujols would go away. Dujols moved to sit beside her on the bed. Beautiful. I sometimes wish. And he stopped, his thought left unfinished. When he spoke again, his voice was hard. You will not disobey me again. Corwin brought her head up to look at him. Go to hell. Your obstinacy will cause me to punish you. And sometimes when I begin, I cannot stop. This is how your maid died. You understand? Corwin turned away. You think you are safe because I will not touch you. You know if I take you, you might become pregnant and thus worthless to me. If I beat you, you command a lower prize. You believe you have the advantage of me. I think I must teach you a lesson. Since you know about the mirror, I think we shall do away with this artifice. The men will come, you will present yourself to them. I will not. You will not eat until you agree. I would rather die. Perhaps you have never been angry before. Perhaps you will be glad to serve Senor Lucas when he returns. Dujols left the room with a smile on his face. Pirate's Desire by Andrea Stewart. Voice recording copyright 2020 by Nancy Fulton. All rights reserved. Music by Alexander Schweif licensed from Pond 5.